Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the content that shaped us, made us. Wow. <laughs> Dang it. You didn't think I about that, did you? I forgot I had to say it until we were doing the counting. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it was culture that made us. What did I say? Content. Dang it. I always say content. You want to try that again? Across. Welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the content culture that made us welcome to still buffering a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us i'm riley swirl i'm sydney mcelroy and i'm taylor swirl i'm sorry it still takes getting used to okay wow we got on the third try that's all right you could edit out the other two right although that i just said that said oh well it's that's fine. okay that's fine I, th- th- I i feel like uh actually that was about right for uh 2020 <laughs> Yeah, it seems it seems so promising, and then we just tripped on the door frame. <laughs> right as we entered the house uh, of the new year, we I, fell across the door frame, and really, I like was so ready. Knocked I was like, out yeah. a couple of teeth and broke our nose. And yeah, <laughs> new year. I was new so year, oh man, <laughs> so ready to talk about what we were going to talk about today. I was like, yeah, this is good. We have we have we have content, and then as we were doing the count, and I was like, oh god, I have to say what the subtitle of the show, and I forget what we made it. <laughs> Uh, well, you may not understand based on Riley's uh, introduction there, but in case you didn't listen to our last episode, just briefly, our show is sort of different. We're all still here. We're all still talking. Still called Still Buffering. Yes. And we're all still um, of different generations. That has not changed. I did not time travel. Mm -mm. No TARDIS has arrived to Mm -mm. fix that. But sadly, we we now are going to talk about stuff that... Like movies, TV shows, <laughs> we're talking music, about stuff. books, whatever that shaped us when yep. we were young and impressionable. And and we will each bring something new each week. Uh, but before uh, we get into that, Riley, you had an experience which emphasized exactly why this yes. change was necessary. I, uh, I went to the local Starbucks the other evening. This get- is a coffee establishment. Thank you, Sydney, <laughs> to get some some work done. Um, and this group of teens, and I realize I am 19. I understand I am a teen. When I say teens, I mean like middle school, probably like 13 or 14 years old, like fresh teens sat down at the table next to me and they started talking. And one of them called the others babies. They were like, oh, man, I'm so old. I feel like I'm basically an adult. I'll be 15 in a month and you all are only 13 I was like, whoa, dude, you're not an adult. You're like, you're you're a baby. And then they kept cursing. And he was like, stop cursing. You're you're so little. Don't curse. I didn't oh. even know it. I didn't even know what bad words were when I was 13. Okay. All right. That's, that's not true. I didn't want to say them. Yeah. You knew what they were and we they, tried to get you to say you them. You tried the time. to get me to say them, but they freely were just they were everywhere. And they kept um like they, at first, I think they were pretending, but then they were really like snorting the cocoa powder and the cinnamon that was on the table at the Starbucks. Oh, that's a bad idea. And taking videos of it to put on their Snapchat stories and like make TikToks of it. And they're like, oh my God, this is going to go so viral. We're going to put this on TikTok and it's going to get so many likes. People are going to love it. I was like, I am so glad. I said on Twitter, I was glad Snapchat wasn't a thing when I was 13. And I realized it was like it did exist. But it was not something everyone had. I certainly did not have one. And TikTok yeah. certainly was not a thing. And uh, no one was doing crazy things to make videos of it and put it online. 
Well, people I mean, have been doing crazy things yes, to make videos yes, of it. Yes, but that was yeah. not a thing on on those you know social media platforms like Snapchat and TikTok when I was thirteen. I hope they stopped doing that. That's not really great for your nasal mucosa. I know. I felt like I felt like annoying. such an adult when I wanted to be like, "Hey, c- can you guys just? I don't, you're being loud, but that's okay. Can you guys just stop?" doing that that has to be bad for you please stop please don't hurt yourself (laughs) please be keep yelling keep doing whatever you want but just don't hurt yourselves and then um they all walked out of the establishment after deciding whose parent was going to drive them home and they had to call parents because they were all too young to drive and that was a very nostalgic moment where i was like oh i remember when i had to call everyone's parents to see you could pick us up and then they all walked outside and as they were walking out they turned around and dabbed at the entire establishment and then left I think this is all very charming. I mean, other than putting the the cocoa powder up your nose, which like, hey, we've all done it once, right? Right? But, you know, uh, everything else about that is I think that's it. Like kids, they're big kids. They're, you know, doing Well, that's the thing. I wasn't annoyed by any of it. None of it was like bothering me. But I had a moment where instead of seeing them being like, oh, my fellow teens, I understand every interaction you're having. Immediately, I was like, oh no stop it no and then i didn't get it and i felt like i was such an outsider i felt Mm -hmm. old i wasn't like bothered yeah i wasn't bothered by any of it it was just very strange to see these teens and be like oh no i don't i don't get it so that's in short that's why we don't do teens anymore i'm glad that i'm glad that dabbing is still a thing (laughs) i didn't Um, know it was i'm glad to hear that it is and that it is still as inscrutable to me as it was when I first learned of it, <laughs> uh, because I don't know why you would turn around and dab at Starbucks. I don't uh. understand the context of that. <laughs> I don't know, like, are you dabbing in salute? Are you dabbing in thanks? Are you dabbing in like a negative? Like, I got you, Starbucks. I yeah. snorted all your cinnamon. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the dab means. And I'm glad I still don't understand. <laughs> it's, a, it's a contextual thing, you know? It could be a greeting as well as a goodbye. It can be an encouragement as well as a celebration of success. That dab has many applications. <laughs> it's like aloha. It's just an inflection thing. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I've tried many times to try to teach your, your almost two-year-old how to dab. Yeah. She has not picked up on it yet. I'm no. hoping we'll get there one day. Charlie knows how. You're, you're almost 34-year-old. Still hasn't exactly gotten it right. So, you know, <laughs> some people just don't have that. The dab skills. It's true. I certainly don't. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's okay. It, it was a very uh, reassuring moment because when we decided to stop talking about teen stuff, I was like, man, am I? are we doing it too soon? Am I not old enough yet? Am I still a baby? And yes, I'm still a baby. Mm-hmm. But... We made the right decision because I don't understand those kids today. (laughs) Charlie started telling us about a game that she liked to play called Cheeky Peekers. Um, And uh, we kept trying to figure out, like, where did she learn about this game and how do we not know about it? And are we so out of touch that our five-year-old knows about something that we don't know about? And then we realized she made it up. Uh, Oh, that's great. It just means you're playing cards with someone and you look at their cards. Cheeky peekers, and then you're a, then you're a cheeky peeker. I love her so that, much. That sounds, that's that's very British. I, that mm-hmm. sounds, it does. She invented the game, cheeky peekers. I hope that she develops that further oh, into an entire so game. Like that's yeah. I'm into the that. goal of the game is to secretly be a cheeky peeker. Cheeky peekers. See, that's a, 
She said, one of the one of you is the cheeky and one of you is the peeker. <laughs> and well, I said, what do you do? And she said, well, you look at the other person's cards. Wait, though, does the cheeky look at the other person's <laughs> card or the peeker? Because I would assume the peeker, but then I don't know. <laughs> that, cheeky. They're cheeky. I think whichever one Charlie is is the one that gets yeah. to cheat and look yeah. at the other okay, cards. <laughs> I don't even know what card game we're playing. I just know that she gets to sh- cheat. It's go fish. <laughs> okay, so there are three roles. There's the cheeky, the peeker, and the Charlie. <laughs> Only one way. Who's what? Whatever suits her. Yes. Uh, your assignment this week uh, was to watch High Fidelity. Yes. yes. This was, and I did. This was my idea. I um, wanted to be fresh up on my memories of it, so I started watching it last night and then fell asleep about thirty minutes before the end. So I finished the last half an hour of the movie before I came to record today. Well, good. So. I have consumed it. Of course, was a book originally by Nick Hornby and then a movie that came out, I believe, in the year 2000, uh, starring John Cusack. And uh, I have to admit, while this is no longer true before everyone yells at me, this used to be one of my top five favorite movies. Uh Top five. Yes. Mm. That's good. I also used to have top five favorite everything Probably because of this movie. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, but this used to be one of those for me. And mm-hmm. I was not alone. I I would say, Taylor, you can probably attest to this, that there were a lot of people from our collective generation that loved this film. Yes, absolutely. I remember, I never had the enthusiasm for it that you did, but I definitely remember liking it, or at least trying to like it, pretending to like it, because it seemed like I was supposed to. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely thought of it more fondly than on the rewatch. It was definitely a thing that in general was considered good culture. Yeah, I, uh, I had not watched it. I had heard the name of the film before. I had no idea what it was about until watching it this time. And I did not like it. (laughs) I, I could see the, I'm not shocked. Yeah, I could see the the cultural context having some influence over things that would never be in film or media today. I feel like you have to expect that from everything from like, you know, any time in the past. Um, But I just found the main character very, very awful. (laughs) And I didn't like watching him or trying to root for him in any way because like I didn't like him and I didn't understand why he had had so many relationships it's it's hard like them so for for those of you who haven't seen high fidelity we're gonna spoil it sorry but it's also (laughs) it's 20 years it's been 20 years years. yeah come on (laughs) older than me more than a riley (laughs) amount of time to see yeah (laughs) um but generally speaking in the film john cusack is our main character rob who uh has just been dumped and decides to revisit the top five worst breakups of his life Mm -hmm. like in both in like flashback storytelling form and then in literally finding these uh former these exes and and finding out why he keeps getting rejected is Mm -hmm. kind of his premise um and that is that is the sort of the story of the movie he is also it's it's i think relevant that he owns a record store Mm -hmm. he considers himself and they say this in the film like an unappreciated genius when it comes to liking music yeah <laughs> that's it he, he's very good at liking music he's very good at music but not making it liking it him and his two employees at the record store and i don't i didn't know 
<laughs> go ahead. Is he, is he good at liking it or is he good at judging it? I think that's, you know, mm. like, he's really good yeah, judger that's... of things, I think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I didn't know going into this that Jack Black was up in this uh, movie. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Until I turned it on and I was like five minutes in, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, wait. Wait, whoa, wait. Jack Black? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Uh, I enjoyed... I enjoyed Jack Black's character. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I don't always enjoy Jack Black, but I yeah. did. Well, <laughs> I did enjoy film. his character. His character, I, I, like, I had a moment where I was like, oh, well, at least Jack Black's character is worse than John Cusack's character, but in some ways, like, was more likable. Like, <laughs> like Jack Black being his most obnoxious version, like was still more yeah. likable, still had more redeeming qualities, I think, than the main character of this movie. Yes. So I think I think that's part of what this movie suffers from in retrospect. Uh, because watching it again, I rewatched it mm-hmm. just because I hadn't in a while. And I, I mean, I knew, I already knew some of the things mm-hmm. that would be problematic. And I, I watched it again and Justin watched it with me because I think he was as big a fan of it as I was mm-hmm. back in the day. Uh, and... Part of it is that the main character I do not think is supposed to be as likable as John Cusack is is likable, you know, as he is playing it, as oh, it is okay. as it is yep. performed and written and acted. Yeah. I think the problem is that we have a picture of a guy who is selfish. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's very navel gazy. Mm-hmm. He's he's not really concerned with how anyone else is doing or feeling or what they're thinking or anything at any Mm -hmm. time. And it's evident in his past relationships. It's evident in his current relationship. He has very little interest or even thought like why he should care Mm -hmm. how Laura feels or what she wants or Mm -hmm. needs. Um, And so he should be kind of a jerk. Yeah. But he's given so many opportunities to be funny and lovable and witty and mm-hmm. clever and there it's hard to just dislike him and i i i think i don't know if it's a casting issue because john cusack is like that or i don't know but i i think that his character needs to be a lot more unlikable than he is played mm. uh, yeah i found him plenty unlikable but maybe that's just me i don't know i'm not <laughs> yeah i'm not charmed by john cusack so i guess that's you know well, that sounds like a I, problem. I had a I used to have a tote bag I with John Cusack this, yeah. on it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I feel like for me, this is the first time ever seeing this movie, and it's the year 2020. It, it wasn't that hard for me to be like, oh, this this jerk. Come on, this guy's the worst. I, I don't know if it was like, it was just kind of everything about him. It was just kind of, it was the way that I feel like, which I think was interesting to think about, the quote unquote villain guy of a modern like rom com movie would uh-huh. be written. Like that's wow. the kind of guy in a modern coming of age. And I was gonna say young adult, but he's like what, thirty six in this movie? Is that what you all said? In the I think he's supposed to be in his early to mid thirties. Yeah. 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 Which is older than I would say most movies of this type would play their main characters now. Yeah. Um but his whole self-absorbed, like, arrogant, know-it-all, why don't girls like me, I'm great kind of attitude. Like, that's how all the bad guys that the girls think they want to date at first and then end up finding their real good guy. That's how they're written in all, like, the the modern movies. Yeah, I mean, like, if this movie was, was, if these same characters existed in the modern age, they'd be on the internet, like, you know, 
in incel communities i feel like like yes. why does nobody appreciate me like i have yeah. records and can tell you obscure facts about things you're not interested in uh which maybe <laughs> actually because you know to the like the the main three the, the the three people that work in the record store the main character jack black's character and then uh dick mm-hmm. is the other character uh yeah. yeah the only the only redeemable character in this movie except maybe bruce well bruce springsteen's in it so that's there's that but uh, yeah, he's fine. Bruce Springsteen's yeah. great, uh, but like you know, there's a difference between like that character Dick, who's like really passionate about vinyl, really passionate about it, and like yeah. clearly very into it, fascinated, versus the other two characters that seem to arm themselves with their knowledge and use it against people in like horrible ways. This is really a divide that I think is very real, and you will encounter it throughout life. Of like people that are passionate about things, very cool. People that use their passions as weapons against other people, bad people. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that's very true. I think it was I think that's why it dates it so much to see your protagonist written Mm -hmm. this way. Yeah, because I I looked at it as like an evolution for me as a young as a young woman watching it. This was an evolution of the male character that I was supposed to like. Mm -hmm. And it was at least an evolution in a direction that I could appreciate because, well, he says things that are interesting. He's funny. Mm-hmm. He seems decently smart. And that's better than the previous, like, male, like, dreamboat, heartthrob, main leading guy archetype who is, like, silent and handsome. And that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe punches sometimes. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, well, I mean, it was at least like, okay, well, I, I like the direction where, like, I would, I would be into a guy who talks back, <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, that yeah. was, but no, was it a healthy direction? No, because as much as that is not the kind of role model I would want young men to aspire to be, mm-hmm. because he is, he's totally self centered mm-hmm. and. And totally arrogant and complete uses his knowledge to exclude others, mm-hmm. which is none of this is nice or kind. But uh, he also shaped the kind of woman I thought I should become. Mm-hmm. Stuff because those messages told me like, uh, if I'm going to get a guy like that to be into me, I got to be a lot cooler. I need to be a lot more into what he's into. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out what guys think is cool and like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be cool. Yeah. Which, Which is like the downfall of a whole generation of women. Right. I mean, my, myself included. But <laughs> it's strange because like in within this movie, the idea that liking all the right stuff gets you the guy is is kind of it doesn't work because you've got Marie DeSalle, which, by the way, if you're looking for the character you should be like enamored with in this movie, she's right there. Mm-hmm. Uh but she has all the cool mm. interests, knows all about the cool music facts. They hook up that one night, and then as soon as he turns away from her, he's back to thinking about Laura. So she was the quote-unquote cool girl who liked all the stuff that he liked. He talked about how great it was to share all this stuff. And then immediately it's like, that's done. Like, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, if it's if it's not what you're like, if it's what you like, then, then why didn't that work? Uh, and he's also incredibly manipulative with her. I hadn't really thought about oh, it yeah. until I rewatched the scene, but he describes how he got to sleep with her. And he talks about like, I, I talked about things in vague ways that 
were warm and caring, but also like hinted at a deep ocean of melancholy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's so contrived. I and hated it. Uh, the whole time I was like, oh, God. It, well, no. I, I, it had never like I don't think I'd ever thought about it until I rewatched it. Yeah. This week. And I was like, oh, that's. Ugh, yeah. This sounds rough. <laughs> This is rough. The, the only thing that made me okay with that was she seemed to kind of be like, yeah, I just really wanted to sleep with somebody. So whatever, dude. Bye. <laughs> like, that was just fine. Like, yes. At, least, at yes. least she maybe didn't buy it. I don't. I think that they give her that. I actually think mm-hmm. they give her that pretty well that she does not yeah. buy it. Yeah. The look she, when he says, I'll call you, the look she gives him. It's like, that's not what yeah. this was about. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> let's not. You don't yeah. have to. Please. Let, please don't. Yeah. Actually, that's, let's not play games. No. This was... I liked you. You liked me. We had a nice night together. Now, please go about your way. Yeah. <laughs> leave me. Leave me be. <laughs> and and I mean, I like that they give her that empowerment. And it's not like in a desperate, sad way. It's a right. I got what I was looking for. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. But speaking of sad, what about some of the other women that he revisits? Like those interactions. Yes. Let's. Before we, I want to go through those because I think that those are the, uh, just like the main character never thinks about any of the women he's interacted with. (laughs) I think that the movie skates past them. Yes. And I want to discuss them further. So, but before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh, hey, you guys had a long day at work. Yeah. Or a tough, a tough day at school. Most days. At work. This is my work. It's been a long day at work. But like school. Riley, you're not playing a lot. Yeah, I've had a really tough day at school. Are you feeling like I don't have the energy to go out and interact with the world? Always. I am not going to cook. Yes. But I I am hungry. Yes. Well, then DoorDash is here for you. (gasps) Tell me more. Uh, DoorDash can connect you to all your favorite restaurants in the city. Uh, it's super easy. You just open up the app, pick uh, what restaurant you want, pick the food you want to eat. Uh, you don't have to talk with anybody on the phone. That's my favorite part. <laughs> you don't have to drive anywhere. You can go ahead, put on your sweatpants, uh, order the food you want, and it will be delivered to you wherever you are. Uh, not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340 thousand restaurants in 3,300 cities so you might find a new favorite one too and we have it here in Huntington yeah which is wild (laughs) I know it's amazing and wonderful uh that solves all your problems because how many times have you been like oh man I waited too long it's too late to cook I've really got to watch high fidelity again so I can talk about it on a podcast um but I just want somebody to bring me uh some some food from the only Indian restaurant in Huntington, but it's also very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out DoorDash, what should they well, do? Well, you can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code BUFFERING. So that's 5 bucks off your first order. Just download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code BUFFERING. Don't forget, that's promo code BUFFERING. 5 bucks off your first order of $15 or more. So, uh, Taylor, you mentioned we should talk about the other uh, female characters in the movie. And I think we should. Because. Yes. That is, I think, the primary problem that sort of 
gets addressed vaguely is that Rob never thinks about other people. Right. Like at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, he goes through these five relationships largely not really. He says to find out why he got rejected. But n- not really. Yes. It's not really about that. No, because really he kind of maintains like defending himself the entire time. Yes. He wants to hear what they have to say so that he can refute it. Yes. Yeah. So he goes his first relationship when he was a child, Allison Ashworth, they kissed on the playground for three days after school. Mm -hmm. And then she kissed Kevin Bannister. And then he finds out she married Kevin Bannister. Yeah. Which, can we point out that young John Cusack is played by Drake Bell of Drake and Josh fame in this film? (laughs) (laughs) I I paused the movie and I was like, hold on a minute. I know that face. Uh, And uh, and that's fine. That's fine. He chalks it up to fate. Okay. Mm I, I just like, he tries sure. to argue with the mother, I'm guessing, and uh, about if uh, he was yeah. <laughs> the first boyfriend. I like that at least the mother got to hang up on him. And there was one moment of like, thank you. Everyone should do this. <laughs> okay, Bob, I have to go now. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, but then uh, then we move on to what I would say is the, the worst, uh. like in terms of stuff that hasn't aged well, that wasn't good when it happened but it's at so least happened bad. a lot then and yeah. then now we hopefully people know better the the penny the character the penny. Of penny is everything about it's hard because we note that like he revisits this relationship that he had in high school uh this girl that he liked because she was as far as we can tell he liked her because she was pretty and she listened to the right recording yes. artists mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but he he revisits her and they have a date and she has a cool job and he thinks everything she says is cool and she's still pretty and she's great. But his only interest is to find out why, in fact, she wouldn't sleep with him in high school, but she did sleep with another guy. Yes. Which is just it's all gross. It's all the worst. It's all the worst. And there are there's a whole scene. It should be noted that uh, has it's like the idea of consent didn't exist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Back then, he calls not true women's breasts like the property of men, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And like they they decided to annex them from the, uh, the all of it. I was just watching my jaw down. Like this can't be what I'm watching. Can't be happening. Well, and, and then she she describes to him this very painful situation that she went to. But I mean, partially at his because of his actions that led to. Uh, I don't want to go too much detail, but like. And it's like afterwards, he's like, oh, cool. Bye. <laughs> like, clearly this girl was yeah, traumatized for a large portion of her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, but all he, all he remembers from this conversation is, oh, yeah, I broke up with her. Mm-hmm. So it's fine now. Yep. Moving on. Um, and her experience in her life is completely negated. And I think the thing is, like, that's very evident. Like, the, the beat there is, it's such a fast transition from her... I mean, this awful story that she tells to his like, oh, that's right. I wasn't rejected. I rejected her. This is great. Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a fast turnaround that I think it's intentional. It's supposed to look awful. Yeah. Like, it's filmed that way. It's not like, don't you realize how bad he looks? No, he's supposed to look bad. Mm -hmm. But they just never, I feel like they they graze against the idea that he's a bad guy. 
and then turn away from it well, instantly. It, yeah. Like they never fully embrace it. It felt like it was almost played for laughs. Like, oh, this guy is such a jerk. Look at him. He's great. Like, it was. It, it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. just the quick cutaway, and then he asked for the check, and it's just like the scene is very comedically filmed, which was just really gross to me. Yeah. And and it's hard because like if if that's the way you're gonna play this guy, he's got to get his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. He has to lose. If you uh, if you want to write a bad guy as your main character, you have to have something bad happen to them. Yes, like there has to be some sort of like you know karma in this in this universe. And you can't. He he has this scene that in the book I always felt like was a lot better, where he lists he uh, he has a mutual friend with his ex Laura played by his sister Joan Cusack, mm-hmm. which I will say one redeeming thing about the movie, the interactions between them on screen yeah. are so good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, I mean, if you didn't know they were siblings, you would think they just had amazing chemistry. Yeah. They're just really great when they fight on screen. Anyway, but uh, where she, so she's the mutual friend. She's trying not to play sides. And then all of a sudden she's on Laura's side and calling him an a-hole. And <gasps> he reveals <laughs> That he did a series of bad things to Laura that are probably why she thinks he's an a-hole now. And that Laura has now told him. And uh, in the book, it's played like he lists these things. And then he says, and I know these all sound bad. And then he gives you context for them. Mm -hmm. And they aren't, I'm not going to say they're understandable, but at least you see where this, at least you see how these things happened. Sure. Uh, And then he says, but I challenge you to like, write down the four worst things you've ever done on a piece of paper and see how you feel. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's funny because in the book, it's a lot more like we've, we've all done bad things, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you just lay them out in a line, we can all look like terrible people and it's a lot more understandable. But then in the context of this character, it's, it does seem even the more unforgivable because he says all this stuff that he did to his girlfriend. And then in the very next scene, he's like, so I'm going to call up all my exes and find out why I got rejected. And it's like, well, did you just hear what you just said? You just said why you did. Like, you just said it yourself. You did all this tor- terrible stuff. You're bad. Like, you cheated on her. And you, you did owe her bad. money. And yeah. you said you wanted to sleep with somebody else. And yeah. Just, like, rewind a few seconds and <laughs> you have your answer. You don't need to do the rest of this film. Uh yeah, I mean, it's like he's almost to like an important realization that reducing people to five item lists is not a good way to communicate, judge or interact with people. And then he's just like, but moving on <laughs> top five, some other yeah. stuff. Yeah, because he does. He he moves right on. And then, I mean, we go to um, Sarah is the name of the relationship he had with mm-hmm. the she got dumped. He got dumped. Mm-hmm. So they kind of joined their sadness. Yeah, like they got into it like a sad rebound relationship yeah and then she dumped him for somebody else and i don't know what the message is there it's just all very sad yeah they were both sad so it was sad i guess he realized i i don't know are we supposed to think he's a nice guy because he says he could have slept with her because she was sad and lonely but he didn't take advantage well, of that are we supposed to like is oh, that okay. his redeeming moment is this it <laughs> no, because he doesn't just say i could have but it's the only reason she'd want to sleep with me is she's sad he said no it would be sleeping with a whole sad single culture like it's like you know you're below me now like it's because he's <laughs> judging her i guess that's true yeah uh, and then the I, and then the the final um the final girlfriend he revisits is charlie, charlie. uh I did not name my daughter for her in case anybody. Are you sure? I'm quite quite <laughs> certain. 
In case anyone out there is like, is that why? No, no. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, but I, you know, it's funny because like I had a moment as I was watching this where I found myself in crisis trying to figure out how I feel about Charlie. Because <laughs> the idea is that he dated Charlie in college and she was way out of his league. She was cool and, and artsy and smart and, and beautiful had friends and, and funny. Yeah. And, yeah. And just like all this great stuff. And so he goes to a dinner party with her now and she's still all these things, mm -hmm. except for now he says it's all crap. Everything she says is stupid. She's not very smart. Mm -hmm. She's not funny. She's not interesting. Mm -hmm. She doesn't listen to people. And I found myself watching going, well, maybe that's all a lie. I can't trust I, you. I had the yeah. same feeling because I remember watching the movie when I was younger and thinking that she was uh, like believing that she's an awful character and what a weird revelation. And when I was watching it, I was like, I don't know. She's she's su clearly successful. She's surrounded by successful people. Like this is somebody that is that is one is like a like. I think he's like yeah. I agree. I was like no, this is all garbage. She's I think she's amazing and just yeah, yeah was way 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 too good for you and continues to be. Yeah. And you're just trying to justify it in this framework you're giving yourself to justify all of your past breakups. He was just bitter that she left him for somebody better back when they broke up that was it <laughs> which is basically what she says yeah like you you were miserable mm -hmm. and sad and like not fun and you didn't seem happy yeah. and i found someone who was and we were in college so you know yeah. these aren't exactly sophisticated like, relationships so i, I moved on i don't know if that was supposed to be another moment of like feeling bad for for John Cusack there like oh he felt insecure because she was so great and she broke up with him because he just like couldn't couldn't feel that confidence in himself and she should have like reassured him like I didn't know if it was supposed to be that like oh it's not his fault but it, I think again a, I liked her the whole time I just thought he was just like bitter it's very 90s I think it's supposed to be like Marco you barely get an idea of who this person is other yeah. than I think he's supposed to be very attractive yeah that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. He was supposed to be cool and attractive and he got dumped for the captain of the football team. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really think that's the equivalent you're looking for here yeah. is he's just the nerdy guy who's doing his best and yeah. he got dumped for the hot guy and don't you feel bad for him? I really right. think that's that that's that beat. Yeah. Um but like you can't play that game with us cuz we know now. Yeah. Well, we've seen and you even in the flashback when they show like her bead with Marco. It's like he's standing outside her apartment calling her names like he's saying horrible yeah. things to her. That's like, what I was going to say. He's like he's screaming and calling her names, but then saying like, can we just talk this out? No, you be no. It's like, what? What? No. <laughs> Did you hear yourself? And I mean, and I think it's it's supposed to be, again, I think that it's intentionally funny. Like, it's supposed to be played for laughs. Right. Like, can you believe what he just said? Uh, but it's it's just hard because I never, again, as the movie progresses, like, he goes through this crisis. We find out, as a side note, that uh, Lara is, is now dating someone else. Yeah. Um, Ian? Ian. Mm -hmm. Played by Tim Robbins. Mm-hmm. And it is he. By the way, his performance, man, <laughs> he's so good. 
He's so, uh, it's so good. Sydney loves Tim Robbins. I do, because he's so brilliant in that role. Everything he does is the, like, skeeziest, but, like, he's so good at it. It's so you good. Know, even, I, like, I remember his character being just, like, so awful. And then on the rewatch, I'm like, I don't know. This guy clearly, he's he's got a, a aesthetic that I don't particularly like, and that's fine. But, like, I don't know, he seems to pay attention to her feelings. He seems concerned about, like, this, honestly, abusive ex-boyfriend that's stalking her, as it seems, like, with the mm, amount of yes. calls and everything. Like, I, ah, if you take away all the, like, goofy, like, look at what a, like, lame he is wrappings that they put him in, he just seems like a, a dude that's just trying to take care of someone to some degree. Like, he's not that heinous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, they try. The ponytail. They have the karate picture. Like, I get it. Yes. I I get it. But I just couldn't, I couldn't really hate on him. They tried so hard to make him a caricature of someone you're not supposed to like because he's taking the girl from your main hero. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like at least that person would have not taken her for granted. Well, Well, I already had so much dislike for John Cusack. It was like, there's no one else in this movie. I could like less, I think. Well, and I'm never going to hate on Tim Robbins. (laughs) (laughs) I just think he's excellent. I think he's very funny and his character's funny and he's very funny. Tell me more about Tim Robbins. No, I'm done now. (laughs) I just think it's very funny. Uh, But I do find it. I did find this turn. It was funny because Justin said, I don't think it's believable. And I actually said, I I thought it was more believable. One of the more believable parts that. The turn in the movie, what saves Rob from his loneliness and rejection uh, Mm -hmm. is that Laura's father passes away. Yes. And basically in her grief and loss and sadness and shock, she returns to Rob. Yeah. Which I actually feel like for better or for worse is is a pretty honest depiction of of what can happen. I mean, not to everybody, certainly, but like I think... If you were in a very long-term relationship that felt safe mm-hmm. and you go through something that tragic, you you may well revert mm-hmm. back to that relationship, whether it was good for you or not. So I actually thought that was yeah. a pretty honest, you know, that could happen. And I do think it's interesting that she even says when they're in the car after they decide to get back together, she's like, well, there'll be romance at some point, probably. Like, this is what you want, right? Like, we'll just, yeah, this is fine. They'll be sure. I'm some too other tired time. not to too be tired with you. not to be with you. It's very like because I can imagine watching this and being young, being like, "Oh, yay, they're getting back together!" and like, "Oh, how romantic!" But then, like, wait, wait, what? Wait, there's no romance. Wait, isn't there supposed to? Isn't this when they're supposed to be like the big like music build up and the kiss and they hug and then the credits roll? But no, it's just very like, and he's okay with that. He's okay. He's like, okay, that's fine. As long as you're not with Ian and you're with me. Like, what? Well, and it, it, he really, like, I don't think at that point he has changed at all. No. I don't think he's grown or changed. This was not a Scrooge um, moment for him where he visited all the ghosts and was like, I'm a new man now. No. He's no, kind of he, the same. He, he, all, he used all those experiences to reinforce what he already believed and felt. Mm-hmm. And make him feel better about those beliefs. And you, the only hint you get that things have changed or he's grown is at the very end because he, it, it's it's kind of insinuated that he's thinking about 
maybe stepping out with this new girl Mm -hmm. who's interviewing him for a magazine and who clearly is into him. Mm -hmm. And he starts making a mixtape for, which is like red That moment I was like, oh, man. (laughs) And uh, I mean, because, you know, in the 90s, making a mixtape was, oh, man, Mm. that was everything. That's big time. Yeah. You don't you don't just do that. Yeah. And uh, and even Laura knows the implications. Right. And she's just like, I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. Um, but then he realizes that he doesn't want to do that. And so he proposes to Laura, sort of. It's Well, I think he, I think he parrots I, her words, too. He says something along the lines of being too tired to do otherwise yeah. as well. So this is, is this the resolution mm-hmm. that we just watch two people just wear each other out emotionally to the point that they're just going to be together? Uh, yeah. These guys... Like, I guess that was supposed to be his realization of his wrongdoing. Was that maybe, was it that he couldn't commit to her and like he wasn't ever fully invested in her, but now he's going to be. Yes. I think that that was supposed to. That was his big realization. Like that's always been his problem all along, but also it definitely was not his problem all along. And he has many other problems as to why he is not a good partner, but that's the one he picks. He's like, well, I guess to fix that, I'll propose. Yeah, I, it's the most like it's hard because he what he says is so um it's so immature. He says that the it, it never the fantasy never delivers. Yeah. And it's like it, at his age the idea that he's one clinging to some like two-dimensional mm-hmm. fiction girl that he really wants. Mm-hmm. And two, realizes that that's not how humans work. Um, it's really scary. Like it speaks to a deep set yes. immaturity and, and like lack of of understanding and empathy and growth. Yeah. That is truly <laughs> disturbing. His lines are written like he's like supposed to be 18 yeah. or 20 years old. Yes. But he's 36. Yeah. It's disturbing. And I mean, the only the only hint you get that he's really changed, I think, is at the very end when he's making a mixtape for Laura and he says that he's putting stuff on it that will make her happy, mm-hmm. stuff that she would like. And that that is <laughs> wow. that's supposed to be. Well, it's supposed to be meaningful because the entire movie he spent telling other people what he likes his top five his top five and now he's trying to think about what someone else might like so he is for the first time in his life attempting empathy think about other people (laughs) like wow great job what a what a hero's journey again this like this is a moment that i could see in in the middle point in the climax of a movie like, oh, he's learning. And then by the end, it's like, oh, yay, he's actually a decent person <laughs> you now. You talk about him like he's AI. Like, oh, yeah. it's learning. <laughs> it's learning. Whoa. But it's like when you're like, I don't know, litter box training your cat. It's like, oh, look, they went for the first time. They're learning. But that's like the ending of this movie. The yes. first time they go in the litter box. Like, oh, that's it. It's the most apathetic ending to a to a love, quote unquote, love story oh. ever. It was a very, it's just a very 90s love story, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say the the idea that like you, you end up together because you both, not because you both want to be with each other, but because you can't not be with each other. Yeah. That's very 90s. Yeah. I just, because the thing is, the weird thing about it is that I still, I was entertained by this movie. What I'm realizing is that if you took out the two characters that I think we're supposed to care about, 
Rob and Laura, if you took them out of the story, I don't. The, all those other characters, I don't watch a movie about them. I would watch some sort of like cute, like you know, like romance between Anna and Dick. I love that that side story. That's great. I would watch the musical pro- career progression of Jack Black along with the punk kids, like Marita Sal. Yeah. yeah. Even even Tim Robbins' character. Yes. Like all the characters that revolve around these people have so much more <laughs> interest to me than this is like yes. but no focus on the mayonnaise at the center of the story <laughs> like yeah they, they are the least That's interesting yeah um well i i will say that maybe it will be better in the in the remake that hulu is doing that comes out on valentine's, on day. valentine's day uh uh the it's still called high fidelity mm-hmm. but it's like a 10 episode series yeah. or something and it stars zoe kravitz yeah so it's supposed to be all gender swapped i guess mm-hmm. and more modern but still very similar premise and everything and it's set in your neighborhood yeah, they're filming all around a, a bunch of places that i know that's wild they've, they've moved it from chicago to brooklyn yeah um from london to chicago to brooklyn so we'll see how it is <laughs> yeah. has changed um, I'm sure that will be of note to our show in yes. the future. It will be interesting to see. I would not recommend if you ever go back and find that there is a musical. <laughs> there was a musical. Uh-huh. That ran for like 10 days. 10 days. Uh, I would not recommend that mm. based on my listening to it, my brief listening I to really the music. I really want to go listen to it now. I, I would not. I would not highly re- But I, I will say like, man, I read that book. You should see my copy of that book. Mm-hmm. It is so weathered. It mm-hmm. is so well worn because I read it so many times. I saw the movie so many times. I listened to that soundtrack over and mm-hmm. over and over. I do recommend the soundtrack. Um, yeah, I thought it was very good. Yeah, uh, and I, I it's hard because I'm never going to say I hate this movie, I and I still yeah. laughed at points watching it, and I still enjoyed parts of it. Right. Um, it's hard to let go of something that was like. It was so firmly lodged in like my teen years as Mm -hmm. something that was formative for me, something that helped me like I would say late, late teens, early Mm -hmm. 20s helped me try to form who I thought I wanted to be. Yeah. And then I had to like go back and say, "Okay, well, that was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to (laughs) be I don't want to be with somebody who just likes me because I said I like the same bands they like. Uh, I want you know i want but, a lot I mean, more and i deserve a lot more and we all do we yeah. all deserve better than that in a relationship but it, it i had to undo a lot yeah. of damage i do think the initial like viewing and and appreciation for something like that when you're younger though is just as important as your later going back and reviewing your your thoughts on it like you still it, it meant different it meant something different to you when you're a teenager than it does when you're an adult right everything does you just you see things differently also it was the 90s or 2000 and now it's been 20 years things are very different culturally and everything so you always have that same i didn't hate it i just in comparison to to rom-com movies that are supposed to be of similar vibe of modern day it was very different (laughs) difficult to watch perhaps out of touch a little bit out of touch yes considering it came out when I was being born. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. a little hard for you to, yeah. Yeah. But I am looking forward to watching uh, the Hulu series. Uh, and Taylor, do you want to tell us what we're going to talk yes. about next week? So uh, also in line with things that were really 
impactful on us in our youth that maybe you know deserves somewhat of a critical eye but also i mean this this a little less so i still think this is a pretty important work uh i'm gonna bring to the table uh the killing joke uh the the batman comic that is focused on the joker uh, written by alan moore uh fantastically illustrated by brian boland um one of the books that is mentioned so often in the discourse of the modern movies, the modern interpretations of the Joker. Uh, there's a lot that happens in it. Some, some good, some bad. So I don't know. I would love for you, my sisters to give it a read and then anyone that wants to, you know, listen next week as well. It's a short book. Yeah. It's easy to find. Uh, but yeah, we're going to, you know, while the Joker's winning all the awards this award season, let's uh, mm. let's go back to one of the, the, the core origin stories. Let's do it. Yeah. Have, have you ever read it, Riley? I have not. I, I have once, but it's a long time yeah. ago. So I will say I'm very excited. The only comic books I ever read growing up were Archie's. That D- were your old ones. So all right, this will be this will be exciting. This will be a departure. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll check that out for next week. And in the meantime, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on your network. Uh, check out maximumfun.org for a lot of other shows you would enjoy. Uh, you can tweet at us at stillbuff and you can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org. And also if you have ideas like of stuff that you think we should talk about, yeah. let us know, you know, tweet at us or email us or whatever, like mm-hmm. any kind of movie or music or book or comic book or cartoon or I mean, anything, anything, literally anything. Uh, and uh, I think, oh, and thank you to the novellas for a theme song, baby changed mine. Uh, this has been a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Spurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. <laughs> and I'm Taylor Spurl. <laughs> I am still buffering. And, and we, we are true, too. <laughs> Man, I was on at that time. It wasn't me. You were looking at me like, go, Taylor. And I'm like, what? What's going on? You're next. Totally spaced out. <laughs> We'll get there eventually. Why don't we do it in age order? It's week two. We'll get there eventually. Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.